2 Timothy, the second chapter, we've been on this as our text, um, starting at verse 1. Therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that you have heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And we talked about having a soldier mentality, that we're soldiers in the army of the Lord. And I believe today the Lord is raising up people, Christians, that will have a soldier-like mentality in, in the body of Christ today. What I mean by that, I'm not saying militant and mean and, you know, ready to snipe someone. I'm not, I'm not talking about that. But just that you're not afraid and that you're not going to be scared. to Because there are some Christians like that, man. They're super militant. They're, you know, in your face. You know, I, I'm not talking about that. I, I, so I don't want to leave the wrong impression. But that you are not going to be afraid to live for Jesus, to live for the truth. And at the same time, if need be, you're not going to be afraid to be persecuted. And, and if we have to die, I mean, Jesus did that for us. I just saw someone the other day, uh, a, um, a former NBA player. He was talking about he didn't get it, like how Christians were being so weak and wimpy. And he wasn't claiming to be a Christian at all. I mean, he's, he's not a Christian. I think maybe some people in his family might be because he seemed like he knew some things about what a Christian should be like. He said, I thought I thought Christians were supposed to be, you know, tough and and go through stuff. You know, then Jesus go through stuff for you guys, you know, and you guys are afraid to stand up and speak the truth. And he he's not a Christian at all. He's saying this. And I'm like, man, the church needs to hear this guy because it is true that so many Christians are afraid to stand up for truth, to be, you know, they're closet Christians and they don't want people to know that they're born again and they're saved. And if they do, and if people do know that they're born again and saved, they don't want them to know that they have certain stances on certain things, you know, because they don't want to be looked at as those people that are not for the cause or, or whatever. But we can't be afraid of truth. In the last days, it is going to be darker. People's minds are going to be more, you know, uh, deceived and deception and, and, and warped, if you will, in some ways, because we have an enemy. We have an adversary and he is blinding the hearts of people. But we have to have a soldier mentality that says, I'm not going to be afraid. We are in a spiritual war, but at the end we win. We're on the winning team, so why be afraid? Amen. And then it says in verse 4, No man that wars entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who has chosen him to be a soldier. And so we talked about a lot of things. We talked about not getting entangled. We talked about the soldier's standard, um, that our standard is the word of God, right? And uh, not just the word, this written word, but doing and hearing, hearing and doing the written word of God. And we got into that and we talked about what our standard is not. And I'm not going to cover all that because that will take 45 minutes to do that if we did that. But 
uh, I just want to touch on a couple of things from the previous weeks is that we said that our foundation needs to be built on doing, hearing the word and doing the word. And as I was meditating on that, because you see right now that a lot of people's foundation is just crumbling. There's a lot of apostasy in the church, the clinching, what that means, apostasy, that means people that once knew the truth, they're just falling away. They're just saying, oh my goodness, uh, uh, you know, because of the things that are going on in the culture, they just completely are falling away from the truth. Well, their foundation wasn't built on the right thing. Their foundation was not built on the solid word of God that is unmovable and unshakable. And, you know, you have some people, you have what's called the cool church, if you will, the cool church, where people want to be a part of something that's hip and trendy and uh, that's, you know, uh, the, being a Christian is not a boring life, but people th want to go to something where it's, you know, where it seems trendy and seems cool, but really it's just like the world. There's really not a whole lot of difference except we say we're saved and we, you know, have great praise and worship that seems like you're at a nightclub. And I'm, I'm not knocking great praise and worship. We want great praise and worship. I'm not, I'm not implying that we don't want that, but we don't want to look like the world at the same time either. We don't want to act like the world. And What's happening is because some people are so much like the world, they just completely have fallen away from the truth uh, of the word of God. And the Lord said it to me. He gave me a phrase because I was just meditating on it. So I was talking to somebody else about it. And he just quickened this thought to me right away. He said, houses built on sand always stand until the storm comes. And that seemed, it's so very simple but it's a way for me to remember it. Because you look at people and you look at different things and it seems like, man, they're having a good time. Uh, they seem like things were going great. And you can maybe even think like, man, I want that. But then when the storm comes, crash. Their life is just, they just completely fall away, completely backslide. Some of them go crazy and nuts. And you know, you don't know what's going on anymore. Well, houses built on sand always stand until the storm comes. You know, you, that's why you can't judge on the outward appearance what's going on in someone's life. Things may look like they're going good. You know, things may look like everything is great, but you don't know until a storm comes what kind of foundation they were really standing on. You don't really know what was going on in their lives and what they were really believing, what they were really doing until the storms of life come. And that's what's happened to a lot of people. We want to make sure that our foundation is strong. And so that's part of what we've done here is we, we, we went and talked about that the written word is where we get our standard from, where we get where we live by from. And we also talked about that the hypothetical character of Jesus, what would, he, what would Jesus do? is not the standard. The word of God is the standard. Now, let me just explain a little bit what I mean by that. And some of you know, is that people have resorted to 
Nothing wrong with asking yourself, what would Jesus do in this situation? But Jesus would do what the word of God says. You know, people say, well, Jesus, he would do this. You saw a lot of this in this last year. He would do this and he would do that and because he loves people and stuff. Well, Jesus would do what his word says, not the hypothetical characteristic that you're placing on Jesus or the hypothetical scenario that you're placing on Jesus. No, he would do what his word says. For example, you hear a lot of Jesus would love and he would he would do all these things. And I'm like, I don't want to get in specific detail because then we'll go on for a while. But you see where Jesus was with his disciples on the boat. Right. And I just use this as an example where Jesus was on the boat with his disciples. And he said, let us go to the other side. You guys remember that story? And then a storm comes. Right. And they're, uh, you know, he's sleeping on a pillow and they're, all, oh, my goodness. You know, they're taking buckets and they're trying to get all the water out. And then they say, Jesus, don't you care? Jesus, don't you care that we're perishing here? And Jesus didn't get up and worry with them. He didn't get up and, and, and uh, start fearing with them and say, yeah, let me show you that I care and start panicking with them and start being fearful with them. No, he did something completely different. And then he, after he rebuked the wind in, in the sea, he said, where is your faith? Now, if that was today, people would say, oh, that is not compassion and that is not love. Because, you know, <laughs> I heard someone say this, a friend of mine, he said, you know, the scripture says perfect love casts out fear. He said, man, some people have replaced that with perfect love comforts fear. <laughs> so they're comforting people in their fear instead of helping them get out of it. They're enabling people to stay in their fear. Now, we don't want, I'm not saying that we are mean and harsh towards people. I don't think Jesus was being rude, but at the same time, he was trying to wake them up and say, hey, where is your faith? Because they should be thinking, uh, we've been around Jesus, man of faith. We should be seeing how he operates and we should be able to use our faith. But now if you talk that way, that's just not compassion and that's not love for other people, for your fellow man. Well, I'm sorry. It's not the hypothetical characteristic or scenario of Jesus that we get our standard from. It's the word of God. And we have to be mindful of that because there's some deception in that. And so uh, we talked about placing a value on his words and honoring his words. But, you know, you're not going to honor the words of God if you don't even honor God himself. Right. So we're going to get into honor and glory. I want to I want this to be a place of where the presence of God is manifested, where the glory of God. But there's some things we have to do in order to position ourselves to be in that place where we can receive that. So go to first Samuel, please. First uh, Samuel. Um, the second chapter, and we've probably all heard this uh, verse before, the 30th verse. It says uh, in 1 Samuel, the second chapter, 30th verse, Wherefore the Lord God of Israel says, I indeed 
I said indeed that the house and the house of your father should walk before me forever. But now the Lord says, be it far from me, for them that honor me, I will honor. And they that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Now, if you look up that word honor, it has to do with being heavy. There's actually a number of definitions or a number of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Connections, words that connect with that word, synonyms, I guess you could say. Uh, and that means to be heavy, to be weighty. You also see reverence, great value, but you also see promotion and you also see glory with that. And you also see riches with that. And so the Lord is saying, if you honor me, if you reverence me, if you show me the glory and you, and you reverence me and you uh, give me the place. And we talked about a little bit about that last time. You know, you esteem and estimate him and his words of great value. He's saying he will do that to us. He's saying that he will promote us and he will give us. Remember, we talked about how much you give the word, the, the measure that you hear. You value the word and you put great emphasis and value on the word and estimation on it. What happens? You're going to get more back. The, the Lord is going to honor you and give you more revelation and, and give you things that other people don't get. You know, not so that we can say, oh, my, I'm so smart in myself. But no. Is to be a help and to be an encouragement to others. So that means to, so honor means to be weighty, reverence, and uh, great value. And you also see promotion with this. And you also see, as we go, you also see the manifest presence of God in honor, in connection with honor. Now, both parts of this is important, okay? So, there's the part where we, you know, we honor the Lord and he honors us. But it's also important to know that what happens if we don't honor the Lord and what are the consequences? So both parts are important. OK, I want to focus on us honoring the Lord, but we need to know both parts of it. You know, um, we need to understand the benefits of honoring the Lord. It's important to encourage ourselves with the benefits of what happens if we honor the Lord. That's important. But we don't want to focus on that part of it, of what his, uh, of what his part is. You know, in anything, there's God's side to the spiritual things, and then there's our side. There's what we're supposed to do, and then there's what God is supposed to do, or what he will do. So we have to do our part. We focus on our part. We encourage ourselves with his part, but that is not what we're working on. We're not working on God. You said you would do this. You said that you, I mean, there's nothing wrong with putting him in remembrance, but we are not telling him what to do. He's going to do his part if we do our part. So there's our part and there's God's part. There's man's side and there's God's side to it and all these things. Okay. So we don't, when we hear these things that we're going to get into, and I probably just am, I don't know. We'll see how much we get into. I may just be introducing it today. We don't want to think about it as people that are not planning to honor the Lord. When we find out some things that need to be corrected or need to be adjusted, we don't want to get down and condemned. No, we want to be encouraged that, hey, I'm going to stop doing that. And when I stop doing that or when I don't do that anymore, the Lord is going to honor me. 
He's going to promote me. There's, there's riches ahead for me. There's glory. You see that a lot of times, honor and glory is connected. And we're going to see this in this study as we go, that you'll see when, when men of God and when people honored the Lord, he was able to honor them with material things as well. Now, not, not just material things, but that was part of it when they honored the Lord. And so God, he hasn't changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Okay? So when we study this, let's respond as though we are planning to be a doer of the word. Let's not hear it and go, oh, man, that's tough. No, let's respond and say, man, all right, another way to honor the Lord, I'll be promoted more. Okay? So what caused God to say, you know, far be it from me? Because he said initially in verse 30, he said that I said your house and that your father's house would walk before me forever. But now the Lord says, be it far from me. So now the Lord is saying, nope. See, this was a condition. Yeah, you were you and your children were going to be in this position, but not anymore. What caused God to say that? What God what caused God to say, you're, you're if you honor me, I'll honor you. But you despise me. I'm going to treat you with little significance and little value. Well, if you go to verse 27, that same chapter, verse 27. And it says, <clears throat> and there came a man of God unto Eli and said unto him, thus says the Lord, did I plainly appear into the house of your father when they were in Egypt in Pharaoh's house? And did I choose him out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to offer upon my altar, to burn incense, to wear an ephod before me? And did I give unto the house of your father all the offerings made by fire of the children of Israel? And see, Eli and his sons, they had great privilege. God chose his family to serve the people of Israel as priests. And this went all the way back to Aaron and Moses, okay? And so they were chosen out of all the people, they were chosen to be, to serve, to serve God, to serve his people. This should be looked at as a privilege to them. They should be look, looking at this like, this is an honor that we get to do this. And uh, Eli, he got to wear an ephod. Now, that was like very... Uh, I guess you could say costly and pricely. There was 12 jewels on there they, on the breastplate. There was um, gold. I mean, this was an expensive and costly garment that he got to wear. That he, out of all the people, he was wearing this. Okay? And his sons, um, his sons were treating the offerings with disrespect. And so it, it appears Eli was as well. Uh, but they were not treating the offerings. When people brought offerings in, they were supposed to do a certain thing with it, and they were treating it insignificant, and they were also having sexual relationships with some of the, the, the women that were coming in. And so this was going on while they're supposed to be serving the Lord, okay? And, um, and so in, first, in, the, in the next verse, or the 29th verse, Actually, let's go to the, uh, 
the 28th. We'll finish reading that. And did I choose him out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to offer upon mine altar, to burn incense? I think I read that, right? To wear an ephod before me. And did I give unto the house of your father all the offerings made by fire of the children of Israel? Wherefore, kick ye at my sacrifice and my offering, which I have commanded in my habitation, and honor your sons above me. Wow. To make yourselves fat with the chiefest of all the offerings of Israel, my people. So Eli treated the sacrifices and his sons with this who cares type of attitude. It says, you know, why do you kick at my sacrifice? You know, we don't really say that. That's kind of like they, tr they treated it like no, no big deal. You know, it's kind of like if someone told you something and you went, what would that mean? Just kind of like, whatever, who cares? No big deal, right? Well, he's there, uh, the man of God is saying that you, the Lord is saying through the man of God that that's how you treated my offerings. See, the offerings of the Lord are actually very important. Um, you know, I know people in church don't like to talk about offering and giving, but the Lord took these things very seriously. He took when they were bringing offerings very seriously. And when they were treating it with like whatever, not a big deal, he said that he basically that was not OK with him. And he said, you honor your sons above me. Now, what's interesting is Eli actually rebuked his sons prior to this because he was informed about this and he told them, hey, why are you basically, you know, don't do this. But evidently it was too little and too late and it was not enough um, because they were still doing it. And, you know, that's why it's important as leaders and, and even as parents you, we we got to get to people that are under us and children early at an early age and deal with things at an early age. You know, the Bible said, talks about disciplining them while they're young, because when they're old, it could be too late. Um, you know, one proverb says, if you don't do that, you can be a willing party to their death. You can be willingly, <laughs> you can be a part of their discipline and of their death. And in this case, Eli was. He was part of the discipline and, and uh, what happened to them. And so we never want to let disrespect and dishonor go on in things that we have control over, things that we have oversight over, things that we are overseeing. We never, never want to allow dishonor or disrespect, especially with our children, especially with our family. They need to know, don't make me choose between you and God. Because I'm going to choose God first. I'm going I'm to honor God first. I don't want God asking me, why did you honor your sons above me? Why did you honor them above me? You know, Jesus said, uh, if a man loves mother and father more than me, he's not worthy of me. If a man loves son and daughter more than me, he's not worthy of me. So I never want the Lord saying that to me. Hey, you're, you're not worthy of me. Why are you honoring them above me? And, and we could be honoring them above God when we allow things to go on that we shouldn't, that should not be going on. When things are ungodly, when, when disrespect is going on and we don't do anything about it, like the Lord said to Eli here, you're honoring your sons, you're honoring them above me. 
And we know what happens, well, if you read the rest of the story, uh, they didn't last long. Um, and they were removed and they were killed, basically. <laughs> I mean, not basically, they were. And so uh, we want to make sure that we honor the Lord above people, above anyone else. Go to Malachi 1.6, or Malachi, the first chapter, or as some people say, the Italian prophet Malachi. Malachi. <laughs> Which that's incorrect, but it sounds good. <laughs> the reason why people do that, too, is because or they honor their you know, their family or people they know or don't want to say anything is because flesh is more real to them. They can see people. They can, you know, we can see one another here. We can't see God. And so it's, it's easier to, you, you know, not say something or to honor them because you can see them. But the Lord doesn't see it that way. He says, no, you honoring them above me. In Malachi 1, in verse 6, it says, A son honors his father, and a servant his master. If then I be a father, where is my honor? And if I be a master, where is my fear? Says the Lord of hosts unto you, O priests that despise my name. And you say, wherein we, have we despised your name? You offer polluted bread upon my altar and say, wherein we have polluted thee. So he's talking about the offerings again. And you'll see that as we go further in this study. But notice as he said, they were saying to the Lord, the Lord is saying, where's my honor? Where's my respect? And they say, where have we despised your name? You know, just because we don't know that we're dishonoring the Lord, just because we don't mean to do something, just because we don't know the, the exact area, that doesn't mean that we're not doing it. That doesn't mean that we are innocent of um, disrespect just because we don't know about it. Do you see what I'm saying? Just because, I mean, he, they're saying, where? Where are we dishonoring you? And he's saying, he goes on to explain to them where they were dishonoring them, where, he, where they were dishonoring the Lord. And so, and this is where we usually have to make adjustments, right? In your life, you have to make adjustments in the areas that you don't know about yet, right? That's why the Lord shows you things, because you're doing something that's hurting or harming or that's costing you, but you don't see it, right? If you saw it, I mean, hopefully you would make an adjustment. But those are the things that are costing us are the areas that we don't see, that we have not recognized, that we have not noticed. And part of that is because you know, with honor, it's because we live in a very disrespectful culture. I mean, there's so much disrespect. People have no concept of what it means to show respect or what it means to show honor. And because of that, we could be susceptible to that. I mean, we, we, we grew up, all of us, in the same generation, right? So there could be, there are things that I'm doing, that you're doing, that we're doing that is not honoring to the Lord and we could be missing out on some of the miracles, on some of the, his glory, and some of the things that are connected with us honoring him. And that's what this is about. 
I don't want to miss out on some things that God has for us because I'm doing things that I don't know that are very disrespectful to him or that he looks at and says, no, that's dishonor. And if you get rid of that or if you stop that, I'll be able to honor you more. I'll be able to promote you. I'll be able to show you glory. I'll be able to, you know, increase you. And I'll be able to manifest my presence amongst this place. I mean, for all honoring the Lord and for all doing what he says. Now, the Lord is merciful. He is merciful. I mean, don't I mean he is merciful to a to a thousand generations. He's merciful to generation after generation. But just because he's merciful doesn't mean that we are not missing out on some things that we could be enjoying if we showed respect and we showed honor to the Lord. Right. And so we, you know, the Bible says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. So we want to find out those things that, wow, we've been doing doing this just like the world or we haven't been honoring the Lord. Uh, but we're going to correct it. Amen. And when we correct it, we're going to have promotion and we'll go to another level in our honor. So that means more promotion and more increase. I want more promotion in my life. I want more increase. You know, I, I've seen people in situations um, where, you know, they had in the natural, you could think they had every right. Not they didn't really have a right, but I'm just saying to not honor the Lord or it seemed like they could be maybe upset or down and, and sad, you know. And I've seen people honor the Lord in situations where, you know, I'm thinking about my friend, you know, I'm not going to say his name, but I remember his, his spouse passed away. And at the funeral, you, you know, he stood up and praised God and worshiped the Lord. And I remember a friend saying to me, oh, my, my goodness, if that was my wife. I'd be laying on the ground in a fetal position crying, you know, because she was young. And... Um, and I understood what he meant, but I, what I saw was the Lord on him, him honoring the Lord, him saying, Lord, I still glorify you. I still honor you. And I've seen the Lord uh, promote this individual and bring him to glory and honor in certain areas of, of his life where the Lord is using him and, and increasing him. And I saw that that started with the uh, him honoring the Lord and where he could have drew back, you know, where, where, where a lot of people draw back, I should say, where a lot of people draw back and a lot of people get mad and get upset. They honor the Lord. Go to Romans uh, 13, please. And so we want this to be a way of life for us, that we honor the Lord and he increases us. He manifests his presence uh, amongst us as we honor him. You know, I would prefer the Lord not to have to say, where is my respect? <laughs> I don't want the Lord to say, hey, where's my respect? Where is my honor? You're honoring this person. You're honoring that person. You're honoring this and that. You know, see, we honor is not just about a person. You could be respecting something more than you respect God. You know, you, you could be respecting the TV, you could be respecting video games. You could be respecting your your uh, your iPhone or whatever more than more than you are God. And he's like, hey, where's my respect? 
hey, you treat that thing like it's your life depends on it. Like you can't go a day or a minute without it. Where's my respect? I don't want the Lord saying that. I want to be promoted. I want increase. Amen. Romans 13 says, <clears throat> rent, uh, verse 7, Render therefore to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Owe no man anything but to love one another, for he that loves another has fulfilled the law. So typically when you hear this quoted, people are talking about, you know, government, people are talking about paying taxes, right? They're, they're saying, see, we, we got to, you know, we got to obey the government and we got to do these things because that's what Romans says. And that's, I'm not saying that's not true, but look at the second part of this verse. He says, fear to whom fear. And we could add is due because he's saying tribute to whom tribute is due. You know, he's saying render, render to them all their due. So we could say fear to whom fear is due, honor to whom honor is due. So there are some people that fear, reverence, and honor is due them. Just like money is due certain people. Just like money is due the IRS. There are some, there are some people that we owe honor to. Okay? The, the God's Word translation says, pay everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay them. If you owe tolls, pay them. If you owe someone respect, respect that person. If you owe someone honor, honor that person. Notice again, he's connecting owing money to owing honor and respect. So, you know, we don't want to owe IRS taxes, right? I would prefer not to have to pay it, but it doesn't matter if we feel like it, we still owe it. And there's probably people like that, that we would prefer not to owe them any honor or, or respect, but we still owe it to them because the Lord says it. You know, when you start talking about this, this is starting to, as we get into this, we're going to get into the motives behind it, okay? We're getting into the motives why some are due respect and why we owe honor and why we owe respect. You know, because some people, when they hear about this, they think about the people that should be respecting them, right? When they hear about respect and honor, they think about, yeah, they should be honoring me. They should be respecting me. R-E-S-P-E-C-T, find out what it means. You know, no, I have nothing against Aretha, but that is not what this is saying. This is not saying you find out who the people are that should be respecting you. You are, you are not to be looking for the people that respect you, okay? This is about us finding out who we are supposed to show honor to, who we are supposed to respect, all right? And then there's people that, you know, they, you know, they're either going to think about who should be respecting them, who should honor them, or they're only going to, if they do respect, they're only going to show respect to people who have earned it in their eyes, who deserve it in their eyes, right? So if someone has treated them good, okay, well, I'll respect them because they've been nice to me, they treat me right. Or if someone has been a blessing to them, hey, they've earned my respect. But that's not what 
<laughs> this is saying. This is not saying, hey, if they've earned your respect, if they've been nice to you, if they've been kind to you and you treated you right, then show them honor and show them respect. No, he's saying just like you owe money to people, just like you owe money to the government, you owe respect to some people. You ever heard that, you know, you go to a funeral or whatever, I'm here to, you know, people go to pay their respects, right? Well, that's biblical. You respect is something you pay to people. It's owed to them. Okay, so go to Second uh, Timothy again. Second Timothy. We're just laying a foundation. Now, um, you know, I was saying this is about our motives. The reason we honor the Lord and we honor who he told us to honor is not, we're not trying to make a big deal out of people and because people are, you know, we're all just flesh. We're flesh and other people are flesh. But it's doing what God told us to do and it's honoring him. But we're not honoring God so that we can get promoted. That is not our main reason. You know, we honor God because it is due him because it is owed to him. You know, we honor him because we owe everything to him. We honor the Lord Jesus because he's done everything for us. We owe him our lives. We owe him our honor. We owe him our respect. We're not trying to, man, if I honor the Lord, he's going to bless me. I'm going to do that. We don't do it for that reason. Although we can be encouraged by that, that we'll enjoy his blessings and we'll enjoy promotion, but that is not our main focus and motives. Do you guys understand what I mean by that? You know, just like, you know, we give and there's sowing and reaping, but we are just not focused on the reaping aspect. We don't want to neglect it because we have an aspect and part in receiving the harvest, but we're not just giving so that we can get. Okay. Our motives have to be right in this. Second Timothy three, verse one, it says, you must understand this. In the last days, there will be violent periods of time. I think I'm reading, uh, I'm reading this from the God's Word translation. I apologize. You must understand this. In the last days, there will be violent periods of time. People will be selfish and love money. They will brag, be arrogant, and use abusive language. They will curse their parents, show no gratitude, have no respect for what is holy, and lack normal affection for their families. They will refuse to make peace with anyone. They will be slanderous, lack self-control, be brutal, and have no love for what is good. They will be traitors. They will be reckless and conceited. They will love pleasure rather than God. They will appear to have a godly life, but they will not let its power change them. Stay away from such people. Now, I could say we're seeing this right now. Right. I mean, we're we're in the last days. You're seeing pretty much all this and all this is what disrespect, dishonor, you know, abusive language, cursing their parents, no gratitude, no respect for what is holy, no affection for their family. That's disrespect. Refuse to make peace with anyone, you know, brutal, reckless, conceited, all 
no respect and no honor. It says stay away from such people. And uh, man, you don't have to be a genius to see that that's happening right now. People just have no concept of respect and honor. And you see this coming into the church. You see, and, and it's always been in the church um, to a degree, but we've seen this in more recent time that you can start adopting. You know, we have to, it says stay away from such people. We have to be careful too about what we're listening to, what we're watching, what kind of music, because it's all infused with this disrespect and dishonor. And before you know it, you're acting that out and you're doing it. So this is saying stay away from those people. They didn't have, you know, uh, they didn't have music and things like we do now, you know, internet and what's the social media and all that stuff that could constantly be bombarding them with disrespecting this honor. So I would throw that in there. But you see so much disrespect and dishonor even amongst Christians that they are just oblivious to it and they're just ignorant and don't even notice that they're doing. I mean, I, we were at an outreach, uh, evangelistic outreach, and there was an altar call going on. And during the altar call, during the altar call, the Lord, the Holy Spirit, he's working on people's hearts, right? He's dealing with people and working on them and their life is in the balance. Where they could spend eternity is in the balance. You know, th this could be the last time they hear the salvation message. They could walk out, get shot, get run over. Anything could happen. You know, life is short. And there are Christians in the back of us laughing, talking loud. Remember that? Laughing, talking loud, just having a good time while the altar call is going on. And these are people that I know should know better than this. And but they don't see it, obviously. They're just <laughs> laughing and giggling and stuff. And I'm like, wow, there's an altar call going on. And if you don't have enough respect and honor and reverence for the Lord, the Holy Spirit dealing with someone. Why should the person who's not saved have enough respect and res to even respond. If they, you're not even showing it and, and acting like this is important, why should they act like it's important? Why should they care enough to respond? See, that's the thing, people don't see it. See what I'm saying? They may not be doing it on purpose. You may, they may say, well, we weren't doing it on purpose, but yeah, it doesn't matter though. You were being disrespectful and you could have hindered the move of God in these people's lives. You could have hindered people from receiving from God. See, just because you're not doing it on purpose doesn't mean it's not hurting and it's not causing some damage somewhere. And so now I'm not saying we judge them and, and give them the side eye and look at them. You know, if that happens, and, and, you know, in our midst, don't, don't everybody look at them and say, what are you doing? You know, I'm not saying we do that because the Lord is merciful. But that's the thing is the things you don't see, the things that you don't know that you're doing that could be hurting. You see that and could be costing. You know, I've been in services and I'm not trying to be in a soapbox or anything like that, but I've been in services and all of a sudden, you know, you're hearing the word of God, you're getting revelation and you're getting answers from the Lord. And all of a sudden you hear click, 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 like click, click. What is that? And you just constantly hear it and you look over and somebody's clipping their toenails. Like, what? What is going on? We're in church and they're clipping their toenails or fingernails. 
you know, church is not the time to deal with personal hygiene. You know, I've seen people pull out lotion, rub their feet with it in church. Like, that's not the time to be lotioning your feet and stuff during church, you know? You know, you, it's distracting. And it's not, you know, it's not about rules and things. I'm not trying to make it about rules, okay? So again, you know, you hear somebody clipping their nails in church, don't give them a mean mug, don't look at them, you know, in, in a wrong way because they don't see it, they don't know. It's not about, you know, you can't do this. And I'm not saying that if your lips were chapped and they were bothering you that you couldn't pull out your chapstick and put it, uh, you know, chapstick on. I'm not saying that you can't do that. But this is distracting. That makes a noise, right? Clipping your toenails or fingernails in church, that makes a noise. And you're sitting next to a person they're, they're endeavoring to, they're probably trying to hear from the Lord. They need answers from the Lord. The Holy Spirit is about to show them something and then you distract them. And they're looking at you like, whoa, man, and just completely miss what the Lord is saying and the Lord is trying to deal with them. And so what I'm saying is, is that we want to have more, we want to have more reverence and respect for God. You know, again, those people don't see it. They don't know. It's the things that we don't know that we're doing that could be costing us. I mean, it's obviously costing that person. They're not hearing any revelation. They're focused on their feet, you know? So, so <laughs> we just, we want to be mindful of that. <laughs> I don't know why. Oh, man. Um, and, you know, we, we love people and we care about people. And so, I, again, you know, it's not for us to say, you know, oh, look at that fool over there clipping her fingernails or whatever, but we just need to look at ourselves and make sure that we're not doing things that could be disrespectful and dishonorable. They'll, those are just minor examples, but at the same time, I don't want that going on in here either. <laughs> so. <laughs> um, so the thing is, yeah, they don't, we don't realize it. And if we want to grow in, our, in honor, it is going to be the things that we don't see. We're going to have to ask the Lord to reveal to us the things that we're not seeing, reveal to us the things that we're doing that we don't know we're doing. And we have to be open to receive it. We have to be open to correction. We have to be open to even some rebuke. You know, if the Lord says, hey, you're doing this and that's not OK, you know, well, we have to be open to hearing that because it could be costing us somewhere. We could be missing out on what God wants us to do. And it, that's my, the main heart is I wanna grow in the honor of God. This is not, now don't think that I'm ministering on this to point out some things that I saw in us that have been disrespectful. I don't, that's not the purpose of, of ministering this. It's not to say, oh, this is disrespectful and that is disrespectful. That's not the purpose of this. It's so that we can grow in the honor of God so that we can reverence him and grow and we give him a place so he can move and manifest his presence and manifest his glory in our midst. You know, I, I, I want this to be a place of honor. You know, I've been in places where, where it's so much disrespect and dishonor and God can be merciful, but you know, man, wow, these, I mean, people are, people are at the church service like they're in a movie theater. You know, that's, there are certain things about uh, about God's presence that we want to show honor to, that we want to have respect and we want to know how to respond. Okay. 
Go to Matthew 15. So we're looking at ourselves to find out, you know, where we need to come, in, come up in our honor and we want to be willing to receive it. You know, just like children are a reflection of their parents, you know, a church is a reflection of their pastors and of their leaders. And <clears throat> so I want to come up in my honor. I want to see where I could be, where I need to increase in my honor for the Lord and for, and for his things. And so before I, we get into what honor is and the areas that we need to honor, I want to talk about, and I'm just going to introduce this and we'll pick up next time, what honor is not. And we read this last time, if you remember, on Mother's Day. Um, but I want to read it again and show you another part of this. So just like anything else, you have anything that's spiritual, anything, you know, any principles, you have what's real. And then you have the fake and what's phony. I don't want to be a fake. That is not me. I'm going to be real. That's why some people will not like some of the things I say. They will be controversial things I post or whatever. <laughs> but I'm going to be real. I'm not going to be fake. You know, I, I, I was saying this to somebody recently. I'm, I refuse to be a prison in my own family, in my own church, a prisoner in my own family and in my own church. What do I mean by that? That I can't say certain things because I'm afraid of what people might think of me. People, people are going to come and go. That's what happens in church. You don't want it to be that way, but people come and go. I've seen that where people, they start preaching about, you know, an area someone may not agree with. People are out the door. You know, um, you start preaching about God wants you blessed financially. People will leave. They, they don't want to hear that. You start preaching, you know, taking a stance on a certain thing, uh, you, you know, biblical stance on marriage or something along that line. People don't want to hear those things. And so I'm not going to be a prisoner. Though. I'm not going to be fake and phony, just like I would want to talk to my own children, natural children. I believe that I should be that same way with those that come into the house of God. They are also, what are we doing? A church is supposed to be a family. A church is supposed to be a, a father and mother leading, protecting. When he sees the wolf coming, trying to harm the sheep, he has to stand up and say, hey, this is going on. You can't just hide from these things. Amen. But I want the real. I want I don't want to be a, a, a person that pretends to honor God and is not really doing it. Just honoring with lip service. And you'll see that right here in Matthew 15, 4. It says, for God commanded, saying, honor your father and mother, and he that curses father and mother, let him die the death. <laughs> Man, did you know that in the old covenant, if you curse your mother and father, you disrespected them, you got killed, you died. Man, we come far away from that. <laughs> There'd be a lot less disrespect, I tell you that. We were talking about that at home not too long ago. There's a lot of things that are because of how far we've come. And I'm not advocating that we kill children and stuff. Don't. So don't, you know, those that are watching online, don't try to say that I am. I'm just saying this is the way it was. The Bible is it's right there, black and white. They died. But you say, whoever shall say to his father or his mother, it is a gift by whatsoever you might be profited by me and honor not his father or his mother, he shall be free. So we, so 
You know, they were saying that they don't have to honor mother and father. And this is talking about financially because they're given to the temple. They're given to the work of God. And so they're free from that because that has to come first. And he says, thus, you've made the commandment of God of none effect by your traditions. You hypocrites. Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying this people draws near unto me with their mouth and honor me with their lips. But their heart is far from me. But in vain. They do worship me, teaching for doctrines, the commandments of men. So Jesus is quoting from Isaiah, the prophet in 29 in Isaiah 29, 13, which says, wherefore the Lord says, for as much as this people draw near me with their mouth and with their lips do honor me, but have removed their heart far from me and their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men. Listen to that phrase. Their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men. So you have people that are completely just oblivious and ignorant to reverence and respect and how to honor God, like some of the examples I kind of gave. But then you have these people, you have these guys that are just all about rules and regulations, which you can't and cannot do. And that's what I do not want. We're not gonna get into the rules of men. Can't do this in church, can't laugh, can't shout too loud, hallelujah, gotta be extra quiet, gotta be somber, gotta be, you know, stern face, no freedom, no joy, no, no expressiveness. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about doing rules and regulations. Rules are not the same thing as reverence, okay? You know, you can't wear this, can't wear your hair like that, can't do that. That's, we're not talking about that. We're talking about the heart. And you can tell the difference when it's not just, uh, when it's rules and regulations and it's the fear of man. See, this is all about the fear of man. They're all scared. They're all tense. They're all timid. Oh man, I don't want to do that. If I do that, oh my goodness, I'm going to get in trouble. I might get slapped or I might get, <laughs> I might get scolded. We don't want that, you know? I, I, I know I had family that grew up in, in a church like that. My father, he grew up in a very rigid, you know, strict church. And he ran away from that. He ran away from that because so much rules and regulation, you can't keep that stuff. Everything you're doing was disrespectful to God and dishonorable to God. We're not talking about that. We're not talking about rules and regulations. But then you got people that did grow up in a church like that. They went to the, they found out, hey, we're free in the Lord. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. But then they get completely like just loose and disrespectful. And they, you know, they come to church and they just do disrespectful things like, you know, clip their toenails and just put their feet, bare feet on the chair in front of them because, hey, we're free. This is just like at home. No, <laughs> see, you have two sides of the of the ditch. OK, you know, so we're not talking about rules and, 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 re and religious rigidity and timidness. And, you, you know, that's the Bible says um, that's how you know the difference between godly fear and the fear of man. The fear of man is tormenting, right? But, but in John, it says, in 1 John, it talks about that perfect love cast out fear. When it's the love of God, the, there won't be any, when it's really God and the honor of God, there'll be love involved. There'll be uh, the spirit of joy and the spirit of peace. That's how you know when something that's not 
the honor of God. That's not the respect of God. That's them putting men's rules and fear on people and it's causing that tension and that tightness. That's not of God. That's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about that, okay? We don't want that. We want the real thing. We want, we want to honor God from our hearts because we want to honor him, because we, it's owed to him, because it's due him. And, and with that, we'll receive the honor that comes from him. Okay, so we, I just want to clarify that before we go further, that we're going to rightly divide the word of God. And it's not going to be rules and regulations. Amen. We hope this message has encouraged you today. For more information on our ministry or to donate, visit onewayministries.net.